Under the Dome Radio for Season 1, Episode 13, Curtain. Thanks again for joining us on the Under the Dome Radio podcast, the show by and for fans of CBS Television's Under the Dome. We are the unofficial Under the Dome podcast for theories, news, reviews, and interviews. And on this 21st episode, be sure to check out the show notes for links and things we may discuss over at underthedomeradio.com slash 21. And if you'd like to leave some feedback, just simply go by underthedomeradio.com slash feedback and under the dome radio is a proud member of noodle mix network and we're also sponsored by the affiliate links over under the dome radio.com and on episode 21 we'll definitely be going on the air we'll talk about what we liked and found interesting about under the dome season one finale curtains before we head over to the tower where we'll be at that thing and of course broadcasting all of the craziness about the egg about the black stuff about the white stuff it's just all kinds of oreoness inside the dome oh so we will definitely check that out and then head over to the broadcast section take a few people that have sent in some propane tank donations this week and of course at the end of the dome we're just going to let it all hang out there because at this point all bets are off if you haven't read the book you got till next June to get that done. <laughs> and it takes just about that long to get through the whole book. For sure. And what's and your name again? My name. I don't have a name. I am the monarch. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. Troy Heinrich's here. I actually had to double check the TV input I was watching on last Monday night because I couldn't figure out if I was watching the formation of Superman's Crystal Fortress, the season finale of Under the Dome, or uh, Titanic as Rose drops the heart of the ocean into the, well, methane-filled lake. It was beautiful. And me, I'm Wayne Henderson, a.k.a. Wayne Rennie. I'm the voice acting podcasting Green Bay Packers fan who's currently trying to decide whether to wait the nine long months until the return of Under the Dome or focus on changing the polarity in my time machine and simply taking my DVR nine months into the future with me. Details. I don't think it's going to happen. Well, I got plenty of time to work on it. And at this current time, in this particular universe, Under the Dome Radio is not signed up or affiliated with Under the Dome Radio or Under the Dome, the TV series, CBS, Stephen King, Emblem Entertainment, or anybody else that's official, but we'd like to be. And maybe next year we will. Yeah, why not? Nine long months to wait to find out. Yes. So in a long nine months, it's going to be given everything we saw on Monday night, Wayne. Um, there is a lot to talk about, but right before we get into uh, some of our favorite things and maybe not so favorite things, Monday night was crazy. As you've heard on past episodes of Under the Dome Radio, uh, a lot of the locals in Wilmywood, Wilmington, North Carolina, they get together at a restaurant called Hell's Kitchen and they watch it there and they kind of have a big party. Sometimes some of the uh, actors that are on the show are there as well and many of the extras. Anyway, Troy, you were in touch with uh, one of our Domi friends, Rochelle, and she has a little bit of information on how things were going right there at that moment at the very end of the premiere, or the, I should say the finale of Under the Dome. This is Rochelle. I am the resident Domi nurse on Under the Dome, and I am at Hell's Kitchen right now in wonderful Wilmingwood, getting ready to um, watch the season finale of Under the Dome with probably, oh, I would say about 200 of my closest Domi friends. 200 people in the restaurant. That's pretty crazy. Do they have any specials or things going on there this evening? Uh, 
Um, yes, I have not been able to get my hands on their special menu, but I did um, did hear several people talking about a half hamburger. Um, of course, for the cow. Um, and it's just been nuts in here um, ever since. People have signs. Um, it's, it's just crazy. So has anybody from the production crew or any of the cast members shown up there this evening? Um, none of the cast. We do have several of the stand-ins here. Um, let's see, we have the stand-in. Um, Autumn's our stand-in for Natalie Martinez. Um, we have our, oh, I think I saw our Alexander stand-in. Um, kind of think we have our Carolyn stand-in. Um, and then we have Vanessa, who is our, um, our casting um, director for all of the, the background. So, I guess, and then like, so the big question then, Rochelle, is what do you think is going to happen tonight? Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I can't really answer too much because I'm actually part of the final episode. Um, although they are very secretive. <laughs> Um, as far as the script goes for us background, but um, I believe that um, I believe that Big Jim is going to survive. Um, we have to give us something for season two. So, um, as far as the monarch goes, I am still up in the air. Um, I'm between Barbie and Julia, so I think um, Angie is too much of a, a given. So that's kind of my take on it. Even though she has a butterfly tattoo, right, Rochelle? Even though she has a butterfly tattoo, and um, I have my temporary butterfly tattoo in um, in honor of Angie tonight. Oh, and look, we have our lady here that just put a dome on her head. <laughs> I'm on their website. And she says she is on the Under the Dome Radio website, so, <laughs> so we'll have to. So who is that? You want to introduce yourself? Okay. Um, Hi, I have Troy here. Hi, Troy. Hey, how are you? Fantastic. Um, and I told him that you were wearing the doll. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself and give us any predictions? Oh, my. I don't know. Maybe we'll just fly to a whole other planet and start a new world. <laughs> we have all kinds of crazy predictions tonight. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're about two minutes from the start of the show, so we're definitely going to see what's going to be happening in Chester's Mill this evening. And then they signed off because it got really loud and crazy. Troy, thanks for putting that together. And Rochelle, thanks for talking to the peeps there in Hell's Kitchen. I, of course, could not participate because uh, different time zone. It would have been kind of spoilery for me to tune in that early. But uh, that was excellent. So you kind of got a feel for it. Now let's go on the air with some of our favorite scenes, things that really jumped out and seemed pivotal to us. Now, we start right off with the butterfly hatching. We've been waiting for that for, what, half a season, I guess? About half a season, yeah. Back in the uh, mini dome first discovered in the forest, Caterpillar came out and then it showed up in the barn when uh, Joe moved it in his sleepwalking state. Yeah, and originally we didn't think it was going to actually be a monarch butterfly. Oh, definitely not. We definitely knew it was going to be a new breed of butterfly called Monarchus octopusus because it started spraying that ink everywhere when it was flying around. Oh, yeah. That's when the visual effects, don't call them special effects, the visual effects got super cool. You know, it kind of reminded me 
I don't know. I guess the Rolling Stones. It makes me want to sing. I see a clear dome and I want to paint it black. You know, it just got all dark and cool. Yeah, but I would like to paraphrase the greatest rock group, Spinal Tap. Oh. There's something about this that's so black. It's like, how much more black could this be? And the answer is none. None more black. I love that movie. But really, personally, Wayne, I paused the show and I cranked up the ACDC back in black and then resumed playing the finale as I listened in parallel. Wow, we could kind of come up with our own soundtrack for it. So that was pretty cool and unexpected. And I thought it was excellent that our buddy Ben Drake, played by John Elvis, is there with his friends because there's a few times where the, as you call it, the Scooby gang have been together. And for whatever reason, Ben was not there, but now they're all together. My stash house is your stash house, but uh, he gets <laughs> he definitely gets by with a little help from his friends, even though it's getting, quote unquote, crazy dark outside. Which brings me to an early round of question and answer time with Wayne and Troy. Was Sheriff Esquivel getting on your nerves as much as they were on mine? You know, when she's claiming this mini dome is now police property, I'm confiscating it. You kids get away. She was just so annoying. What? Police. We said this last week. There is no police department. It's Hearn Jr. This has been a military state from day one run by Big Jim. And if anyone is going to touch this mini dome, it's going to be me. Yeah, right. So, you know what, Linda? Go for it. You'll finally knock some sense into you that there's no police force except for you and Junior on the other side of that radio. And that other random guy, a log carrying guy that was there now and then. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Now, they, they never really told us is this butterfly from earth? How did it get in there? Did whoever's behind the dome get implant that chrysalis? I, I, I guess it doesn't really matter, but uh, Neil brought up a good point in the chat room that they don't really tell us anything about this butterfly. It was in the episode when they first saw the caterpillar, they said, yeah, it must've been in the ground when we dug it up and it kind of came from the ground and then just happened to be inside the dome because it couldn't get out because obviously the dome is sphered. So it's feared around the dirt on the bottom. So that's why the caterpillar was there. Okay, we can go ahead and go with that. But next we have round three of Barbie versus DJ Phil. The, the Dale Barbie Barbara metaphorical dog tags do make a reappearance during that fight as well. Yeah, but why? They don't add anything to the overall story. Was Julia really going to drop the dog tags in the water instead of the egg? The dog tags that her husband touched as she died. Maybe she wanted the dog tags because then she could have both men in her lives because she's just crazy like that but i don't know the reason behind it but the fact that they focused on the dog tags unless they're just trying to call us back to how important the dog tags were to um, a sub story in the book i'm not sure they, they didn't touch on it maybe they will make an appearance in season two but either way you look at it fantastic visual effects yet again i mean the monarch butterfly the mini dome, the big dome, all of that stuff was just so well done. They they do a great job with those on Under the Dome. Butterfly, very realistic. Totally agree. Mini dome and egg, very cool until it went all black. Then it just looked like a weird kind of painted sphere in the corner rather than a half a dome with the dirt still visible underneath it. I have some qualms with the outside shots of the dome. They were cool. Kind of reminded me of the island on Lost at the end of season four. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it needed some perspective. The problem is, is that through the eyes of a pilot, maybe in a military helicopter or a news chopper, give me a purpose to be outside the dome, not just to be like, hey, here's the dome. It's black. Now it's white. 
maybe yeah. the perspective is whoever it is that's behind the dome, that's their view of it. I, Could be. I don't know. But then there was that juxtaposition of the shot when they found the mini dome in the egg originally. They had the mini dome from that camera angle looking up at Joe and Nori. So again, if they're trying to communicate with us, as we find out later in the show, then they definitely are using the egg as the communication device, not necessarily that far back so that you can see the entire dome and the Moab destruction area on the left. Well, Alex brought up a great point in the chat room because uh, we are this is our first broadcasting live of Under the Dome Radio. And then, of course, you're listening to the podcast after the fact, which is awesome because that's where most of the listeners are. But it's interesting doing it this way because Alex brings up a point that the egg itself is a dome. And at the same time, I'm wondering if the big dome, when it was black, it really did look a lot like that egg. Maybe the dome when it goes underground, it's not a full round thing or goes straight down. Maybe it's shaped like an egg underneath the earth. Not that it matters, but. Plausible, plausible. But maybe what it is is actually because I, I really like the fact that the butterfly was hitting the, the, the dome and it was going black and then the outside was going black exactly the same way and at the same time. That was awesome. Yes. So I'm still thinking it's kind of like the mirror and 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 it's like multiple dimensions deep. So I think that's where they're trying to communicate from. It may be aliens. It may not be aliens. Maybe it's just a cross-dimensional communication device. Um, time travelers, giants losing contact lenses. I, I've got a, another theory that uh, I'm going to bring on a little bit later when it's appropriate. But Well, know, if it is giants with contact lenses, then Bausch & Loam needs a sponsor because they need oh, some contact lens cleaner for sure. Or they could sponsor this podcast. Just uh, send us an email to media at underthedomeradio.com. Now, of course, they did kind of trick us, uh, making us think that, uh, oh, Barbie is the official monarch after all. But but no, Julia Shumway is the monarch. And, you know, no matter, you know, even when Big Jim finds out about this whole monarch thing and it being uh, named Julia Shumway, I don't think Big Jim's going to go for it. No matter whether the dome wants Julia to be the monarch or not, Big Jim, I'm sure, will have his own plans. Let's be clear, though, that the children of the dome is the new name we're going to call them instead of the Scooby gang. Okay, that's but official children, then. Children of the corn, you know, children of the dome say that she's the monarch, but nobody has actually officially said for a doubt from the other side, these people that are trying to communicate that Julia really is the monarch. So we're just going on the word of three kids coming up with this monarch concept, right? Really, the monarch was just the butterfly. Yeah, doesn't mean anything about it. You know, Barbie, the only reason the, the butterfly was really flying around Barbie in the first place is because he smelled from being in that bloodstained jail cell scented <laughs> clothes for like three days. Uh, poor Barbie. He's been in there a few times. That that was, that might be maybe butterflies are attracted to stale blood. I don't know. Either way, it was great to see Dale Raul's Andrea Grinnell character again and having some great lines being there outside the uh, church meeting where Big Jim is all of a sudden he just takes over and starts acting like he's a preacher now. Well, and that's the best part of the show for me. I really thought they were going to go somewhere with this, with the black, the revelation talking about the fact that the drug is called the rapture or rapture in this case. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of like everyone thought they were all dead on lost. Maybe everybody in Chester's mill is actually high on the end of the times. Interesting that, and this scene it's not spoilery really, but there is a scene in the book that's kind of similar with the whole church and all that stuff. But now with big Jim giving a sermon and quoting out of the Bible that it just seemed ultra hypocritical for, for big Jim. I'm going to make an, I am going to make a note. Cause I do want to talk about that sequence in the book. Cause it does tie into this 
a little bit when we get to the in the dome section later on in the show. Okay. Well, while you're making notes, I'm going to keep the podcast rolling. Okay. I, I kind of wish that our buddy officer Randolph, Kevin Sizemore could have lived long enough to be in this part of the domes story because he would have had some great insight because he, even though he is a bit of a loose cannon, he actually was speaking the truth. Yeah, but he was kind of a tough egg to crack, and he just playing cracked when he shot at the dome. I mean, he definitely was somebody that I think either was on the drugs or caused some interference with maybe something in his brain, like a metal plate or something, because when he shot the dome, I, you knew it wasn't going to be good for him in the long haul. But I can tell you that he still would have been a way better sheriff than Linda, because Linda just drove me crazy in these last three episodes. Yeah, she is such a big Jim Rennie fangirl. It's it's great. And DJ Phil Bushy, he's a fanboy. Too. I don't know how he's got them brainwashed, but I can say that this whole mini dome egg thing is going to revolutionize the Easter egg hunts this coming spring in Chester's Mill, and maybe even around the world if they find out what's going on. Yeah, only the other children of the dome won't be getting any money or chocolate when they finally crack open that egg. <laughs> no, <laughs> there's not going to be goodies, but, you know, it's it's just a, it's an egg thing. There, there are so many egg jokes, and wait till you hear one of our listener feedback voicemails later. <laughs> I think every single egg joke is in one voicemail. Now, Big Jim's going all the way and bypassing the law, basically, and wanting to lynch Dale Barbie. And Phil Bushy is going along with it. DJ Phil, our buddy. Oh, yeah. Let's build a noose and a gallows. And what? <laughs> what I missed is the conversation where the lumber yard was because are they getting extra deliveries of treated wood like the propane? Because that was one heck of a stash of wood to build that so quickly. Well, there are a lot of people in the town. Did you see all those people in the church? That's true. And there's a lot of people at the end standing by the stuff that they, the gallows that they just created. So, and, and the fact that Jim said that, uh, when he was talking to Phil Bushy in his office, he talked about how my grandfather or great grandfather built the last one of these. It's like the whole Rennie family has been a little bit messed up for generations, I guess. Could be. And, and maybe there's a tie in there. You know, I mean, that's one of the things that was really frustrating as we kind of talk about this next section was I really wanted to see Mama Rennie at some point during the season. I thought they, were, they kept hinting at her. They kept talking about her. She's important to Junior. She's important to the paintings. I, I really wanted to see Mama Rennie come up in the finale. Oh, I, I, I agree. But I do think we're going to see her early in season two. Potentially. They potentially. made such a big deal about her. I just have a feeling. Uh, didn't you love how Jim Rennie uh, reacted to the fact that Linda was kind of reading the thing about Mrs. Rennie's pink stars are falling in lines with being written on the wall. I mean, that got Big Jim's attention. Nothing else really gets his attention, but that threw him for a loop, and it was kind of good to see him thrown for a loop. And Sheriff Esquivel, maybe it's a coincidence. <laughs> that would be the wildest coincidence in the history of the world. And and now, of course, we all decide, or they all decide, that the Rennie family is important. Great. As if Big Jim is not on enough of a power trip. Now he's got people telling him it's all been forecasted before. The Rennies are important. And that's why she forecasted everything with her uh, dome paintings with the pink stars. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. I mean, Linda was like, you're important, Jim. Oh. That ego. Oh, sorry. I mean, ego, ego some more. Oh, st- <laughs> As if this tyrannical dictator should be given any more things to be proud of in regards to himself. Yeah. Th- and let's be clear. 
his town. Oh yeah, it's his town, and everything he's done is for the town. We all support the team. We, yada yada yada. Now it was really interesting how they did the manifestation of Alice. May she rest in peace. So that the dome can kind of talk to the group that you used to call the Scooby Gang. You know, she says, "I think these are the most important lines of the entire episode." that we need to mix into our theories as we look forward to season two. The dome was sent to protect you and you must earn the light by protecting the egg. But you forgot the most important line. More important than those? Yes. She said, for the darkness to abate. Clearly, these are the words of an alien. I mean, who talks like that? Unless you're maybe from another time or another dimension, like old English 1400s or so. Abate? What does abate mean anyway? I don't know. I think that could be a red herring making us think aliens. But they, the f- yeah, we'll talk about it later. Okay, so don't want to get don't want to give anything away. No, no, no. But the fact that the dome was sent to protect you that takes me back to a theory that was brought up. Uh, I forget if it was episode five or six that actually my sister in law came up with when because I talk about under the dome. With everybody at family events, everywhere we go, I'm like, are you watching Under the Dome? Have you listened to Under the Dome Radio? Let me, what do you think? Anyway, my sister-in-law brought way back then, this is like after only three episodes of Under the Dome, how she thinks that maybe the dome is there to protect everybody in Chester's Mill from whatever's going on in the outside world. So if that comes to pass, as far as Under the Dome Radio listening community, props would go to my sister-in-law for that one. If these are the 1,800 plus people that have to repopulate the earth because everybody else is going to get scorched by a meteor or something, we're in big trouble. (laughs) I didn't want to bring up that part. Well, you know, the Rennies are an important family, apparently. Apparently. Oh, just think if this show was still on Showtime, Barbie would have been able to have delivered a lot more choice words uh, the way he was talking to Big Jim because, you know, how earlier he talked about, you know, you're a used car salesman. Now he went way beyond Barbie called Big Jim a politician. And I could just picture people watching at home going, oh, snap. Yeah, it was definitely the best line of the night. You know, what do you think I am? A criminal? No, worse. A politician. <laughs> just delivered so straight faced. It was awesome. Yeah. So if they were on Showtime, imagine what Barbie could have said to him then. It was kind of interesting. You know, this whole Big Jim Rennie and his relationship with Junior, it's kind of off again, on again. I mean, it was really bad in like the third or fourth episode of the season. But all of a sudden, Papa Jim Rennie actually confides in Junior and tells him, yes, I have killed people for the good of the town. We're the Rennies. We are chosen. Sheesh. I think Jim has been inhaling it too too few or too many of his own propane fumes. You know, that's kind of hard to say. Try that at home. Yeah, a bit too many of his own propane fumes. That's well put. (laughs) If only I could talk, I should do a podcast. And he's drinking again, too. So on top of it, he's inhaling propane fumes and drinking the bourbon. Those don't go together. You just have to be careful. No, definitely not. Um, But uh, did you catch that he actually changed his tune from his original clip? We're all in this together. He changed it from we're all in this together in the pilot. Now he's telling Junior... You and I are in this together. Basically, rest of town, see you later. You're all dead to me. I didn't catch that little thing, but I can imagine that Big Jim would have no problems killing almost anybody in Chester's Mill 
you know, to further whatever his cause is. But then again, if it comes down to just him and junior and the dome is still there because big Jim wants the dome there, I don't know what they're going to do if it goes that far down. Yeah. And Neil in the chat room actually said he, like he killed Doty for the good of the town. He told junior in that speech, you know, I only killed people when it was absolutely necessary for the town. And Doty is the only one that I could see everybody else he's done, but yeah, Doty, not so much. So you're not completely clean on your lying there still, Big Jim. Yeah, well, did you expect anything less? One thing I didn't expect was whether or not she's officially the monarch. I think she is. Julia Shumway, she takes that black egg into the lake and puts it in the lake. Now, I understand wanting to protect it and hide it from Jim Rennie, but now nobody's going to be able to find that egg at the bottom of the lake. Well, maybe because if you actually go back to the painting, I don't know if you noticed this, but the painting in Mama Rennie's uh, studio, when Big Jim and Linda were there, they're looking at the egg with the pink stars. The brown on the bottom is like the lake bed floor and the blue in the background was kind of like the water in the lake. So maybe Mama Rennie knew she was going to drop it in the lake all along. I thought that the brown in that scene was just the dirt that the mini dome was in for a while and the blue was the sky while the dome was still clear, but you could be onto something there, Troy could be. So I, I thought that was just kind of weird. And then it, of course the awesome visual effects happen after that totally made the episode because at that point it was still kind of like, eh, you know, but yeah, the pink stars going up in lines that was out of this world. That was a lot of pink stars. And it's interesting that all the kids were thinking, you know, even Jim Rennie's wife, pink stars are falling in lines. Falling up just seems kind of weird, but maybe it's all in the perspective. Maybe Jim Rennie's wife was also having seizures, even though she's not, you know, a teenager like these other ones. Well, maybe it's like that movie that just came out, uh, Elysium, where there's actually people above the dome. So when they're having the seizures, the people above the dome are saying, oh my gosh, these pink stars are falling in lines and they're communicating through the children of the dome. So that might be what's going on there because maybe there's an outside perspective seeing these things fall up rather than to the rest of us in Chester's mill falling I would ass- down. I would assume that that's something important that they should touch on, but maybe, maybe they just kind of looked past it a little bit because pink stars falling in lines is very important and prominent in the book and in the book without giving something away. Cause we're not in the, in the dome section, the pink stars do fall in lines. Yes, that they do. They don't float upwards, but we'll have to see. And we've got some listener feedback from a bunch of great folks. We're going to get to that very, very soon. In fact, Alex has some feedback in there as well. But something that wasn't in his voice call was he thought this would be a great fireworks show. So I'm wondering, even though this isn't an ABC property, if they could tie it into Disneyland and every night at nine o'clock, instead of the boring old fireworks at Disneyland, if they could just have a whole bunch of pink stars floating up in lines every single night at nine o'clock. Water jets. You could do it with water jets. And maybe have eggs come on those water jets as they shoot out. And then egg the entire crowd. Okay. Again with the eggs. Let's get right to the the pivotal, the grand finale, the cliffhanger, whatever you want to call it. And people are really split on this thing. But what I think it's just going to make us all ask a lot of questions. Yeah. I mean, the two things that I know for sure is that Big Jim was really egging Junior on to pull that lever and that it definitely left a carrot hanging so we will all have to stay trapped for season two next June. 
Right, because we we wondered, did uh, Junior pull the lever? Did the dome do something to avert everything and change everything? Or did Junior, at the last second, turn and shoot uh, Big Jim? I, I would assume that Junior, Big Jim, and Barbie all somehow survived because they're like the main of the show. And for season two, I would think we would need all three of them. But remember, at the Comic-Con panel, they said that no everybody up here could die. So maybe everybody in Chester's Mill gets wiped out. Or maybe they get transported somewhere else. Maybe the dome moved. We've seen that happen before on another show. Instead of a dome, it was an island, but yes. So basically, it wrapped up just real suddenly. Yeah, real suddenly, just like the book. Yep. And we'll talk about that it, in a little bit. A, a different kind of sudden ending there. So I, I still thought, you know, I, I joke and talk about some of the all the egg things. I thought it was a great episode. I thought it was a great ending, a great cliffhanger. I, it, the bad part is it's waiting nine months until the season two of Under the Dome. But I would give this episode, and I will give this episode, 10 out of 10 glowing egg bulbs. You would, since you also give the Packers a 19-0 record every single year. <laughs> We're only off by one game so far this season. You can find more at PackersFanPodcast.com. If I have to grade the finale as the you episode do. itself, standalone, just the episode, I give it 9 out of 10 really jealous jelly beans. <laughs> but if I grade this as a finale and look at the entire body of work for the entire season, I grade it 6 out of 10 mini domes that were not all cracked up to be. What? It just... <laughs> I, I had really high hopes for the show this season. Of it course. Had, that's why had, we're podcasting. Well, it had all the great markings of Jack Bender, Stephen King, Steven Spielberg, Brian Vaughn, great actors troy heinrichs wayne henderson in this episode (laughs) the actors just seemed like they were reading what was given to them without any consideration of arc or story or love or it just fell a little flat even though the the visual effects were just phenomenal i mean without the visual effects i don't know if the show does as well as it has because the visual effects were just absolutely stunning um but you know in my head, I had, okay, we've read the book. The book is cool. It's a character-driven story. They should have spent more time with the characters and less time with wind, weather, Ollie. Yeah, they should have. The Ollie stuff was actually probably the best stuff of the season because it focused on struggle in the town, people working together to figure out how they're going to survive in this post-dome state. And it, for some reason, it just starts to fall apart. You know, if... If I had to do it over, I would put Maxine up front in the beginning of the show and really tie this propane story up in probably the first three episodes and then move into, you know, this Ali Dinsmore storyline and have that maybe tie into the dome going black because then you'd have, you know, crops can't, they they talked about in the church, the crops can't get any sun. What are we going to do for food? And they could tie that in with Ali. And then they really should have ended on two big cliffhangers that they should have ended on were the fourth hand and revealing who the fourth hand was and what happens when they touch cut to black. That should have been the cliffhanger. And they should have had whether or not Julius, uh, whether or not Julie, Julius brings Barbie from jail, dependent on Barbie telling the truth about Peter. And I think that just would have been enough changes from the book that it would have made it so much better than what we actually saw. Wow. You've got some ideas there, Troy. Writers, if you're listening, oh, Troy is available, I'm pretty sure. He's a busy guy, but he could work with you on that. 
those are all great valid points, but I, I still think it was very well done. And I don't want to say anything about the acting because I, I couldn't act as well as anybody on that show. But I thought that Dean Norris as Big Jim, even in this finale episode, I thought he was fantastic. He played Big Jim exactly how I pictured Big Jim being in the book. Just yes. shifty eyed, nutso, full of himself, thinking he can get away with murder. And so far he has. He's he's been he definitely played the big gym part in the last three episodes. The best I was hope I, that's what I was expecting out of him. The problem is is that it just fell a little flat in the finale because of the way they stitched the finale together. I think that was my issue with his acting in, in that one because it was more like he was just reading the lines rather than really feeling the big gym character and you know like he does in the book and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, Mackenzie Lentz. You know, she's a young one. I thought she really did a great job this entire season. She really brought her a game. You know, she was fun. She was flirty. She had that powerful scene when her mom died. She had that look on her face like, holy crap, it's my mom again when they're standing out in the woods. And yeah, she fantastic, you know, for a newcomer on the scene. I thought she did really well. Um, yeah. The other people, they're big name actors. I mean, Michelle Defer, uh, um, Britt Robertson, uh, Nally Martinez, these people have been, these are like seasoned actors, and I just don't think they gave them enough to work with to really make them shine. Really? Like, I, I've seen Britt Robertson in a ton of stuff. I've seen Rochelle. I mean, she she played Victoria in Twilight, you know, and... Yeah, like you know, I saw Twilight. <laughs> well, I didn't see it either, but I saw enough of it that I know that, uh -huh. you know, her acting was much better and much better written. You know, I, I think that's it. It just wasn't written for their personas. That was my issue. They, they could have acted bigger than what they were given. And I think that's where it just kind of fell short. Oh, okay. Well, on one hand, I've, I've never heard of any of these actors and actresses before other than our buddy that played the uh, sheriff that died in the very first episode because he was Lipitas on Lost. So, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. Obviously, it was different in the book. We knew it would be different in the than the book, and you know, obviously, we couldn't be talking much about it on this uh, podcast, especially on the Clean Noodle Mix Network, if we read from the book. So, That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I think it was even more hardcore than what Showtime could have handled in some parts, but I, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to season two, and I'm going to go right out here right now uh, with a theory that I have. Because we, we do have some listeners with some great theories. I know everybody's got their theories. But my theory is that Mrs. Rennie not only painted those paintings and with all the crazy stars, and if you want to call that artwork, that's up to everybody. But not just foreseeing the future and thinking that Junior was very pivotal to everything. I'm thinking that maybe Mrs. Rennie is somehow behind this like she not only foresaw this but i think she is causing this whether on purpose or not i think we're going to find out that mrs rennie is behind it somehow it's almost like uh for those that haven't seen star trek but star trek has this thing where the federation actually makes contact with the vulcans for the first time so it's like aliens are watching us and waiting for us to do something magical to make contact and i think that's what happened here because i agree with you wayne I think Mama Rennie's behind it. She starts doing things that perk the interest of this other entity. And because of that, the other entity starts to make contact with Mrs. Rennie. Yeah, it's not so much that all the Rennies are important. It might have just been that uh, Mrs. Rennie was important. I'm still waiting for her to be alive. Yeah. Like, 
you know. I would not be surprised. Alex Cruz is saying it in the chat room. Yep, Mrs. Rennie is alive. He's in an, she's in another bomb shelter. Well, they've probably got a lot in that part of the country. So, anyways, we want to get into the uh, listener feedback section because we've got a lot, and it is awesome. But first, stopping off at the broadcast section real quick because we want to thank some folks. Our buddy Rick Moyer from the Take Him With You podcast and MoyerMultimedia.com gave us a generous donation sponsoring a weekend's worth of propane for us here at Under the Dome Radio. So definitely want to thank you uh, for that, Rick. It really helps out. Greatly appreciated. And of course, if anybody does want to support us with some propane donations, some sponsorships, just go to UnderTheDomeRadio.com. You'll see the lovely propane tanks on the right-hand side. And uh, you just had to be careful not to mix that with uh, alcohol like Jim Rennie because, whoo, look what it did to him. So with that, let's go ahead and get to the tower where we play your thoughts and theories and goodness. And I guess you could say goodness gracious. Let's fire this right off because there's a lot of great stuff in here. Hello, Wayne and Troy. This is Carrie King 99 Robert. I just wanted to say how much I have enjoyed the Under the Dome series. Um, the last episode is basically why I'm sending you a voicemail to talk about. And it's kind of interesting how they decided to end this first season. Very much um, reminiscent of an old Twilight Zone episode. Now, if you remember the old Twilight um, Zone where Rod Serling um, ran for five seasons. Um, back in the 60s, early 60s, um, they went five seasons, 156 episodes. And what's interesting was there was an episode in season five called I Am the Night, Color Me Black. It was um, episode 146 in season five. And it was about an idealist um, who was about to be executed. And the town folks were shocked to see that the skies was pitch black. And also, it just showed the prejudice and the racism of the town. And as the time went on, it came down to um, they were going to kill an innocent man. And as the time went on, it got more darker and more darker until the um, very end of the episode where Nobody could see nothing because there was just so much hate and so much prejudice that it um, kind of darkened the whole town in the episode. So this might have been a homage to the Twilight Zone um, with this last um, episode. So I just want to express that real quick. Um, looking forward to season two and see where... Um, everything picks up. Um, very interesting to see that Big Jim Rennie is still alive. I think we all had the perception that he might have been um, taken care of in this episode, but evidently he's going to continue on. My, my hope is this series does not turn into Twin Peaks to where they solve everything in the beginning of the second season and then it kind of goes downhill from there and it ends up being canceled. Um, I hope that they have a good storyline going into season two. We'll just have to wait and see. Thank you for your time and look forward to talking to you again. 
Hey guys, this is Hank Davis from tpenetwork.com and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Fan Podcast. Calling in some of my thoughts for your Under the Dome radio podcast. I know it's nowhere near Easter, but it was kind of cool seeing Jim and Linda go on an egg hunt. And Linda found out the hard way that the mini dome floats like a butterfly and stings like a bee. It was pretty startling when the mini dome's shell cracked. Even more startling was the revelation about the people of Chester's Mill potentially being extinct if the dome wasn't there to save them. I thought things were really going to boil over when the monarch tossed the egg in the water. Did you see that strange colored egg? What a weird twist at the end when Julia decided to leave Barbie hanging. He might be thinking that it's too bad he didn't do the same when she got shot. After the finale aired, a lot of us thought that they laid an egg with this particular episode. Because it wasn't exactly what we were expecting. I was okay with the finale, but it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Anyway, thanks for the fun podcast, guys, and I hope we don't have to wait until next summer to hear more Under the Dome Radio. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hank and Robert, thank you so much for those messages. Troy, I'm hearing bells. That is the best voicemail I think I've ever heard on any podcast. <laughs> I, 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 I think I might have to run to the bathroom. I almost wet myself. Oh, <laughs> my so goodness. I, I think that... Uh, that I, I assume the dinging was in reference to every egg-related joke you could think of, Hank. Uh, oh, yeah, that was great. That was a good one. Thank you so much for that. And Robert, thank you so much for your voicemail. Mentioning the Twilight Zone episodes and that there was one that was very similar to this episode in that the town goes dark and there's an execution. And yeah, the Twilight Zone. No, Troy, not Twilight. We're, now we're on to classic science fiction, Twilight Zone great show i was so hooked on the old repeats of that when i was a kid even though it was in black and white so much awesome stuff in there i rode the hollywood tower of terror that's the most twilight i've seen of the twilight zone i'm, I'm a little bit younger than you no i have seen the twilight zone wow. i think that i think that's actually a really good uh, call out you know because brian k vaughn obviously the graphic novelist that he is i'm sure he's exactly doing just that paying homage to that episode i think it was a really good call out by Robert to actually think that far back to bring those two together. So thank you so much for Robert for calling in. And obviously we know season two is coming for CBS. So absolutely. We'd love to hear more of those tie-ins next season. Hello, this is Neil from Bowie calling in for under the dome season finale curtains. Well, that season finale left us hanging, but did it leave Barbie that way? First off, a few of the bad parts of the episode. I couldn't believe that, Angie and Julia didn't use their police radio still to tell Linda any of the truth at any time. I also couldn't believe that Linda just went along with the lynch mob without any real evidence. Especially after Big Jim started calling Julia Barbie's accomplice. What was more interesting was all that we learned in the episode about the dome. The egg does appear to be a power source or at least intimately connected with the dome. When the butterfly came out and started making the mini dome black, the same thing happened with the big dome. We saw that. At first it appeared that Barbie was identified as a monarch, but then identified Julia. Julia, early in the episode, said that something out there wanted her on her feet, tying that all in. It seemed that Nora's touch woke up or revived the butterfly after the mini-dome went away. Dome appears to have been sent by aliens or some higher beings that had trouble communicating with our characters. 
It was sent to protect them, not punish them. That was a big surprise. And it's protecting them, presumably, from some kind of disaster. I can't believe that this is the only town on Earth that deserves protection. There must be more than one dome on Earth, or if there isn't yet, there will be before the series finishes. This dome is not going to go away until after some event. Darkness was some kind of test, and they were told that they must earn the light by protecting the egg. Julia protects it by hiding it in the lake, and after it glows, we see the pink stars and light. Though, from the outside at the end of the episode, it looks like the dome is now an opaque white. I presume that will change uh, when we next see the dome. We also saw from outside the dome that only part of the outside was charred. For season two, I can't see them killing Barbie, but if he does live, then the truth about Big Jim is bound to come out. Will he die, or will he just be plotting for a cell in season two? Will his knowledge from his dead wife help his case? As mentioned earlier, I think there has to be another dome at some point. I would also like to see at least one episode telling us what has been going on outside the dome since the series started. I think they really need to give us that to keep the story going strong in the second season. It's a good first season. I'm looking forward to the next. Neil, thank you so much because I yelled at my television about a hundred times. Angie, pick up the radio, push the button, breaker, 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 breaker. I'm here. Hey, guess what? Julia's alive. And I was like so frustrated with that entire sequence. Like, why aren't you using the radio? Like, come on. Why? Why? Uh, Maybe yeah. just because Big Jim was probably listening. Maybe, but at least Linda was listening too, because at, unless you're really assuming that Linda is completely bat crazy and not willing to be somewhat capable of being a sheriff anymore because she just is Big Jim's lackey at this point. But it's like, you got to at least try. I mean, it's a radio. It goes two ways. Yeah, and I, I would say that I agree that uh, Linda Esquivel has not done as well as sheriff that I thought she would. I mean, it all it all went downhill from the the minute that she let Officer Randolph knock her down and escape from prison, and then get kojacked again by Barbie with that backhand elbow. <laughs> yeah, that too, and still just following everything Big Jim says. But, uh, anyways, Neil, again, great call, great points, and I liked how the dome. I don't know what it means, but I liked how the dome went from black to opaque white. I mean, light is kind of coming in. But you can't see in and out of the dome anymore, so it's kind of a diffused soft light, so everybody will be, I don't know, look better under the light. I don't know. Purified? Again, a revelation, rapture, you know, go to the new heavenly white city. You know, it, the religious angle just seems to be all over this, especially when they go back to talking about the Moab, you know, and then going that Moab was in the Bible and Reverend mm -hmm. Coggins is such a big part of it. And then, of course, the church, you know, scene at the end. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot more religious undertones and political undertones in this show um, that maybe with the political undertones are definitely in the book. So I think this one's going more on the religious side, and I'm interested to see where that goes because it's the whole we're trying to communicate with you. Could be angels, could be demons, mm -hmm. could be the past, could be the future, could be Mrs. Rennie. We'll find out now. This technically not a voicemail. You know, I didn't get to be a part of this particular piece due to my time traveling, trying to watch season two of Under the Dome. And anyways, things went wrong and time travel and all that stuff. Anyway, Troy, you did a great job with this post finale mini interview with everybody's favorite skateboarding dome friend, John Elvis, who plays 
Ben Drake, obviously, on Under the Dome. And we're going to fire that off. And then we've got some more voicemails as well. But this is a great place because uh, John Elvis has some more great things to say. And he really was a lot in these last three episodes of this season. Just just, just wrap this the episode. I, uh, I just got kind of bombarded by a bunch of friends. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, like... I'm 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 here right now. I'm here good. It's like everything's good. Yeah, it, I, it's got to be gr- crazy just to be back home and see like actual friends of yours sitting down and like, dude, there you are on TV, man. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, it, it's so surreal. Like I I I love all my I'm, I'm a Calliope family. They all came out to support me over here at the local bar over here, lying in the roads over here in San Antonio, and. Um, you know, just just to be around them, it, it gives us so much of a different vibe to it that it's like it's hard to pinpoint exactly what I feel right now. I know it was a really interesting episode. I'm so glad you got to be in there. I saw Dale Raul actually made it back into the episode, so it's it was great to see all the people from the pilot back in the finale. The finale. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and it, it's like it's so crazy. It's like you know, like it's just. Like it, it shows little flashes of each little thing, and you're like, you're every moment you're just wondering what the hell is happening next. Oh, I know. So my my first question for you is: in San Antonio, is it getting crazy dark outside? A little bit. <laughs> uh, not gonna lie, a little bit. It's um, it's hard to keep myself under wraps. Yeah, that 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 line was awesome. I was like, hey, it's getting crazy. I mean, like literally five seconds ago, I was uh, on the the news channel for the, you know, the citywide show. So, so I have to ask, what are your thoughts? Special effects? Where would you grade the special effects tonight? Ten. Easily, the pink stars. Easily ten. The, the pink stars were awesome. Oh man! A big shout out to Stefan. Like he, like he was the special effects uh, guy. And I, I met him a few times. That I had the opportunity to hang out with him a lot of times. And he's been so amazing. Like, he was the guy that did the original cow cut in half. He also, yeah, he said he was also the guy that did the um, photorealistic devastation after the missile as well. Exactly. Exactly. And, and like, he's, like, no. He, <laughs> well, uh, how could you talk a cow getting cut in half and... Right after that, he topped that season finale. Thank you so much, Stefan. You you made the season. Now, I know a lot of fans that are Lost watchers are going to be kind of equating this to the season four finale of Lost when the island moved and there was that bright white flash of light. So is the dome going to move or are we going to be right where we are come next June? I, I, I can't tell you either way. I don't know either way. So we're going to have to watch and see. Both of us. I'm really excited for what's going to happen next. So if and you're, uh, if you're junior, did he do it or did he not do it? <laughs> oh, oh, I, I, I really don't know. Yeah. I, I <laughs> oh man, like that's what comes up in season two. So I, I hate to give a cliffhanger from hell, but that's the cliffhanger from hell. Yeah, no, I tell you, but I, I think I got one at least direction on it because right before the show. Uh, Mike Vogel's official Twitter account followed Under the Dome Radio on Twitter. So uh, apparently Mike is still around in season two. Otherwise, they would have killed his tweet account. Who knows? That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. Hey, I'm not going to say yay or nay. 
and, ring. And, and, and going back to Stefan, the way the dome, the mini dome crumbled, that was a cool scene too. Just completely yeah, disintegrated into good, nothing. Good, good visual effects on his part. That was amazing. Hey, by the way, my my manager Christy Martin, she says hi, and along with another staffer of mine, her name is Shelby. She's a gorgeous girl. She says hi, yeah. and I say hi, and everything. Like I'm just so excited for season two. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely the the first season started out really strong. It got into some really creative things with the Ollie Dinsmore storyline that was definitely yeah. different than the book. Got a little sidetracked when we got into the whole Maxine thing. I mean, really, it's like you're going to take a boat across a methane filled lake and then you're going to, you know, stick her mom in there and have her like not die from the methane. What's up with that? Well, you know, okay. Well, not going to lie, you know, like all the episodes without me felt kind of off. Absolutely. It, it just, that, that's just, maybe that's just me, the arrogance talking, but this is how I felt. I mean, because you're a skateboarder, right? So, I mean, if nothing else, yeah. you, you could have at least been water skiing off the back of Big Jim's boat when he went over to go find I, Agatha. I got to put some steez into it, right? Tell us the whirlwind there. You got back to Texas. I mean, how are things been back home? Oh, it's been amazing. I went back to San Antonio, of course. I saw a lot of my brothers skateboarding, like my, my skate brothers. My skate, uh, we're, I'm, I'm part of a brotherhood over here in San Antonio. We're called the TBI Brotherhood. That's is uh, short for talking about it, Brotherhood. And um, when I, like they had no idea I was back, and seeing the look on their face when I rolled to the skate park, it made my week. It made my month. It made everything that I was gone for so worth it. Well, we could definitely say that your brothers are talking about it tonight because that finale was uh, totally they, awesome. They talk about it. They talk about it all day, every day. And uh, now they definitely talking about it. So the question so. is, did Ben's mom in the show get mad at him for having all that ink all over his carpet in his bedroom? Uh, she'll get over it. She she doesn't care about me anyway. She's just worried about the propane. What is the favorite moment that stands out from the last hour? Oof. When Angie tells Junior and Nori and the rest of them Monarch's orders, I was like, "Oh, okay, all right. She knows she's she knows she's bad. Let her be bad. Not not like bad in the sense of being a bad person, but no, she knows she has it. Let her have it." Now I have to admit, I was really excited because I thought I heard your voice on the police radio because when they were saying, how are we going to let Angie know? I thought for sure Ben was on the radio and was going to profess his love for Angie. Seriously, it was a good episode. They like the producers lost, like they know what they're doing. Yeah. I really thought they were going to delve more into big Jim and his wife and at least had some kind of flashback or something. So we could have seen what the mother looked like. Yeah. But they're really good at just, Picking at emotions that you never knew you had and just picking at them, picking at them, picking at them, just, just, just stabbing at them. And that was really cool. Because you almost felt for Big Jim for almost, you know, not not more than a second, but about a half well, second, you know. I'd rather feel like you've always sold for Big Jim, but in a different way. But now that they have the different way into there emotion floodgates just open up. 
So I really want to know how many man hours it took to actually build those, um, the noose. Cause that was some massive rope that they used for that sucker. I actually don't know. I wasn't, a, I wasn't around for that, but, um, I could ask, you know, the set designers and they're really good at their job. Real big shout out to the set designers of under the dome. They, they did, they did their job. They did their job really good. So of course the big question everybody's going to be asking is the dome is there to protect them as long as they protect the egg. What the heck is that about? Well, everybody has the theories about it. I don't know. My theory about it is that the outside world is going to have a, an apocalypse of some kind that's very much different from what the inside of the dome is. And I would consider the inside of the domes, the, the domies, the lucky ones. So you're with me. You're you're on the outside attacking in bandwagon versus, you know, it's just a metaphysical, you know, metaphor yeah, for. I don't, have I to don't, I don't think it, I don't gym. think it's so much of a social experiment as opposed to, yeah, we're protected. You're not deal with it. We're going to deal with it as well. Now a lot of people had suggested that for season two, what they should do is they should go back to the beginning, but tell the entire same 14, 15 days or so from the outsider's perspective. That'd be sick. I'm going to have a little cameo by me for the, the visitor's day. Right. Cause you know, we have this really great storylines that we saw from visitor's day. We saw, uh, Nori's dad. We saw Andrew Grinnell's son. We saw Dodie's mom, you know, and they're all, and they're all interesting stories. That's what's really cool about it. Yeah, we have uh, Joe and Angie's mom makes, is over at Denny's. Think about it makes you think about what what well what about the other side? What happened before then? What ha- what's going to happen after that? And it's is so intricately de- detailed that there's so many there's so many theories that we derive from just the fir- first episode on that can have the ripple effect from then on that. It might not be true. It might be true. It might be different. Well, I ha- I would be remiss if I didn't pass along a big shout out from all the domies in Hell's Kitchen. We talked to a bunch of them earlier this evening, and Hell's Kitchen was actually serving half a hamburger for their menu this evening. No way. Yeah, I, I, I threw a shout out to them as well. I mean, I, I love those guys. They, they've supported me since I've been on the show, and like it's been amazing, and and I would like to thank them so much. They they've been very good to me. Yeah, I mean, and it's definitely something that we want to see happen for season two. So if Stephen and Stephen and the rest of the Neil and Jack and all you guys are listening, we want more Ben in season two. That's for sure. Hey, <laughs> I'm willing to promote that as much as possible. So well, I do not want to keep you long because I know you have a room full of people there. So I just appreciate the time to give us your instant reactions to the finale. And it's always been great to talk to you this season. And we'll definitely talk more come next June. Or hopefully we can even get to down to Wilmington because you'll be back there in February, it sounds like. Yes, sir. Sweet. Well, I don't die. Well, so, you know, in theory, I could be back. Right. You know, we don't know what actually happens when the white light dissipates. Everybody could be, you know, nuclear dust clouds. 
yeah, who knows? So, well, great, John. It's been good talking to you as always. Um, keep it real, stay trapped, and hopefully we can hook up again soon. Well, thank you so much. And um, I can't wait to hear to be interviewing you again. You've uh, you've been down with the show since day one. You've been down with me since day one, and because of that, I will stay loyal to you and stay faithful to y'all show, and hopefully get you more follows because y'all have been cool with me. No, we really appreciate yeah. it, John. It's been great. It's like, Chris, and I promise yeah. you that I will do my part to make that grow. Yeah, for sure. And Chrissy's been great, so definitely tell her hello for me, and hopefully well, you guys have a fantastic evening over there in Texas. All right. You all have a nice one over there. All right. We'll see you, John. Take care, bud. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. John Elvis, thank you so much for uh, partaking in Troy. Nice job on that. I wish I could have been there to chat with both of you that night. It was late. Let's just put it that way. But, yeah, it, w- it was great <laughs> to talk to him. He had a crazy madhouse party beforehand, so I was just glad we were able to squeak 10 minutes from him, and thanks again for everybody in the chat room for listening to that, and hopefully they'll be more appreciative at the 2X and 3X speed as you all download this episode later on, because it was a little long, but we wanted to make sure you got it in there so you could hear Benny's instant reactions from the finale. Oh yeah, it was chock full of a lot of great things, and John, I was always so kind uh, to interview with us and all that good stuff. And it's great to hear him. He really is one of the grounding characters of the Scooby gang. Uh, the uh, young adults that team up and seem to have more on the ball than the adults under the dome, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's just a great thing and we just really appreciate it. Now we got some more thoughts and theories from the listening community. We want to share with you and some you may agree with some, maybe not. Hey, Wayne and, Troy, this is Rick from Wisconsin calling for the Under the Dome podcast and wanted to leave you my thoughts on the finale. I think uh, it's good in a way that they're leaving us till next season to find out what the military wanted to get a hold of Barbie for or do. I think the overall story was good, but uh, Jim was a little bit quick there getting his gallows built and getting ready to just go hang Barbie and I wonder what happened to this uh, fair trial he was supposed to get and uh, all he gets to do is say not guilty and then he gets uh, marched out there to be hung without any uh, evidence of any kind. It's a little uh, more extreme than the uh, railroading they were trying to do in the book. You know, I, as a, the way they did it in the book uh, setting him up to be like accidentally killed in his cell and trying to escape uh, would be a lot uh, better than what they did with the show. I thought uh, getting uh, Julia free uh, would have, you know, helped him out. I, I could see the alliance coming together, and I thought it was very similar to the book in that way. But then uh, nothing really happened there, and I wondered about her being the monarch. Uh, it kind of, kind of wasn't explained, uh, but apparently she is. And the way she protected the egg, I think, was a good idea. Uh, going out and doing that, which freedom from the darkness. Uh, but I still don't know. Uh, what's up with the, the paintings and how uh, Big Jim's wife knew this stuff? Uh, I wonder if that will ever be revealed or if that'll just be a mystery. And I guess the cliffhanger is to figure out 
uh, which side is Junior really going to be on? Is he going to listen to his dad or is he going to listen to the people telling him the truth? So, I guess that's it. Thanks. Hey, Troy and Wayne. It is Alex Cruz from TPE Entertainment. And I uh, just want to give you some my my thoughts on uh, our season finale. Um, as uh, people follow me on Twitter, I was extremely unhappy with this ending because it, it just seemed like it just ended. There was no finality or anything. And mind you, I was not aware that this past July that there there was going to be a season two coming out but still when you have a season finale you're supposed to leave them hanging and wanting more and it seemed like it just it just went to a commercial is basically what what happened and then it says well tune in for the rest until next season Sorry, but I'll tell you what, I I have never been so upset with a season finale in my entire life, and thus, I may even decide to boycott the show next season. However, I will never boycott you guys. So, take care, and thank you for the great season. See ya. Alex. Thank you very, very much. And Rick in Wisconsin, both of you made a lot of great points in there. Rick, always good to hear your feedback. And Alex, um, <laughs> you know, when, when the dome turned all black and it was like night everywhere, even in the middle of the day, I thought you would have loved that part because it was so much like Falling Skies where almost all of it's filmed in the dark. But uh, it's unfortunate that you did not uh, totally love the ending. It was kind of abrupt. I will give you that. But maybe I loved it so much because it seemed so much like some of the season finales from Lost. And it wasn't until maybe about midway through the season that we did find out that there was going to be a season two of Under the Dome. And I think they had to obviously change the ending they had in mind a little bit. And neither ending is anything like what's in the book. So nobody liked the Stephen King ending. And Rick, you brought up a great point in your voicemail as well. Why didn't they in this finale, touch on the fact that the military outside the dome is trying to get a hold of Dale Barbie Barbara. Because I thought for sure that was going to be something that was covered because now that the dome has turned opaque white, maybe it's moved, maybe everybody's dead, maybe who knows what's going on. The military may not have any more way of contacting or even trying to see through the dome and see that Barbie is there because maybe he's not. Well, and that's exactly where I was going with that last shot when they show the white dome at the end, you know, at least have the military military helicopter flying by because then it could show that the military is still interested in this. It just is green space and it just it just it served no purpose. And, you know, I think the ending was even more abrupt than a truck driving down Route 117 through Chester's Mill and smashing into the dome. I mean, it just was like it was over. I was like, what is there? Is there a five minute overrun? It was it was too too quick, and so yeah, I'm on the I'm on the Alex train. It was, I mean, it's a it's a great cliffhanger because it it is going to make you come back next season, which is what cliffhangers are supposed to do. But at the same time, it was like, oh, it's over. What? <laughs> I just was like, just, just like the book. What? It's over. 
So I guess I got that part right because the book the book loyalist would say, "Yep, ending was kind of abrupt." And there there it was. E- either way, I I liked it, even though it was abrupt. I'm sucked in because now we have all of the next nine months to ponder. You know all those things we talked about earlier. For all we know, maybe they're trying to tie it into that other show where they've whoever's behind the dome has moved it. 20 million years into the past where they can repopulate and restart the earth all of, wait, wait, that's already another show. I think uh, Hank has already done a podcast about that show. Uh, that show. Anyway. One we, more, one more voicemail. <laughs> we will continue on hearing from everybody's under the dome nurse. Well, good afternoon, Wayne and Troy. This is Rochelle calling with my listener feedback for the Under the Dome season finale. Guys, what can I say? I am just happy to have a voice today. As you know, I was at Hell's Kitchen last night in Wilmington, North Carolina, the heart of Under the Dome country with probably 150 to 200 of the craziest Domies, dome heads, and their families all waiting to see who was going to be crowned the monarch and to see how this episode was going to end. So I'm going to go right into um, some of the thoughts and predictions um, just on my first round of watching this episode. Of course, I have to go back again and and watch it to dig deeper, but um, the first thing that really came... Um, out to me was poor Linda. Man, she has just been through the ringer this season. Um, She has definitely earned that sheriff's badge this season. So, um, okay, show of hands, who else was yelling at their TV last night? Linda, don't touch the dome. I know I was. Um, Everybody was looking at me funny, but um, yes, I was definitely do that. I'm glad she made it out okay because we are going to need her for season two, um, especially since Big Jim and Junior are both still around. So that's going to be interesting to see how she keeps the peace. Um, The Monarch. Wow. Um, Okay, so everybody thought it might be Angie because of some little thing she had on her shoulder. I think it was, what, a butterfly tattoo? Yeah, I think they were trying to throw us off just a bit with that. Um, I kind of had in the back of my head that it was going to be Barbie or Julia. Um, I'm I'm kind of glad it was Julia because she was um, she wasn't the most obvious of the choices. I think so. I think that was a good a good choice to go there. Um, can't wait to see how that plays out. Um, I still think that um, Barbie is going to be around for season two. Um, I could be really wrong on that, but um, just I just have this feeling that he has more story to tell, and he has more of a use in Chester's Mill, um, especially since um, the government was looking for him. So that's that's my my thoughts on that. I think he will be back. Um, the apparition in the woods, um, Alice. Um, I was kind of glad to see that. Kind of glad to see that they're. Um, whoever this is, whatever it is, is taking um, familiar forms. Um, so I'm hoping maybe, fingers crossed, we may see Dodie back. Maybe she will um, come back as an apparition. Or maybe even our friend, um, Officer Paul Randolph, may come back. Um, so I think that's going to be great. I'm hoping to see some of these characters that kind of bit the dust early um, maybe come back and um, show an appearance again. So, 
Um, just want to give a shout out again to Stephen Fleet and the visual effects crew. Awesome, awesome job. They pulled out all the stops for this episode. Um, look forward again to next season. The cast and crew were wonderful to work with. Um, got many great opportunities to work with this wonderful cast and crew. Hope to get to do it again in season two. So um, you guys rock. Keep up the wonderful podcast. And hopefully we will um, talk to you soon. Bye, guys. Rochelle, the resident dome nurse in Wilmington, North Carolina. Thanks so much for calling in. Again, just what can we say? It was an interesting season. It was a interesting finale. There's definitely a lot of split personalities. Uh, some people are for Big Jim. Some people are against Big Jim, just like they are for the finale and against the finale. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see what season two brings forward as we trudge through the doldrums of winter. Luckily, there's a fall TV season coming up so that we can keep that all entertained. So for all of you in the chat room, we appreciate you being here, of course, on Noodle Mix. And we encourage you to check out our Once uh, Once Upon a Time podcast, as well as our Once Upon a Time in Wonderland podcast, as those will be kicking off here in the fall. Absolutely. Daniel and friends do a great job on those. They cover under the uh, they cover once upon a time like there's no tomorrow. I can't believe that's almost back. And don't forget, it is also the football season. So there are a few things to keep us entertained between now and the return of Under the Dome. And we'll probably be trying to dig up semi-spoilery information between now and then. Now, with that, let's go ahead and go in the dome section and talk about any remaining semi-spoilery things that may or may not be tied into the book Under the Dome by Stephen King. Take it away, Troy. Yeah, so we'll give the chat room about two seconds to clear out if they do not want to hear the end of the book since we are broadcasting live. But, but don't biggest, go all the way away. Just plug your ears and go nah, 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 for a couple minutes. <laughs> right. So, I mean, the biggest thing with the ending of the book is that it was very abrupt. Julia did end up saving the town. So predetermining that she was the monarch wasn't too much of a stretch to figure out. Um, I wasn't thrown by the butterfly going to Barbie at all. I knew it was going to come back over to Julia. I think I even mentioned that in the previous podcast that I called Julia as the monarch back then. Um, and the predictions have been quite right this season, if I do remember. By the way, Wayne, did you see that Angie had a tattoo in the finale? I still didn't see it. I think the reception <laughs> on my TV is bad. But <laughs> uh, but with the book, the thing that was the best parts of the book were about the propane tank conspiracy and what happened. We talked about the church scene mm-hmm. and how that played into it. And in the book, Phil Bushy is not a radio DJ. He is basically the chef. He is the one cooking Same up thing, the right? drugs. Yeah, probably. Well. But uh, he's the one cooking up the drugs up there at the radio station. And with him is the first selectman, which is technically the mayor. So we've heard Big Jim say that he is the only council member left in town. Well, in the book, there's three of them, Andrew Grinnell, um, Andy Sanders, and then Big Jim. And so Andy goes up there hanging out with Mr. Phil, and they basically start smoking the good stuff, the, the, the off-the-market stuff that Reverend Coggins was making. Which we do not condone in any way, shape, or form. Definitely not. Um, but so as that's going on, they're basically Phil and Andy are talking and they talk about how they are God's army. God has put them on this planet to cleanse the area and all this crazy stuff. And they're seeing visions of God and 
They're seeing visions of angels with machine guns, and it's just it's just crazy stuff. Um, but basically, what happens is Jim wants to basically get his propane tank storage back. Kind of the scene that we saw uh, played out when um, Ollie had kind of taken it over, right. except that he, he sends a bunch of people up there. They're all hanging out. There's basically gunfire going back and forth all the while, while Julia, Barbie, Linda, and the children of the dome are basically up in an apple orchard at the dome generator. And just as they're about to figure out how to talk to whatever it is that's generating the dome, uh, Phil pushes this um, garage door opener. And literally, it's like a giant landmine. And it (laughs) sets the whole place off. So now Chester's Mill is about three miles across. 2,000 people. They're all kind of at the dome talking to their loved ones or whatever it was. They were down at the other side of the dome away from where the apple orchard is. And this giant explosion occurs. And it was like instant barbecue fest. Right. It and, just billowed and, we, and billowed. And oh my gosh, it was well, all, and, eight, all 1,800 people die. That's yeah, the because the, the, the dome in the book does not let air and water in and out. So a lot yeah, of fire it, and smoke. In there's an, no wind. There's nothing. And it's you just, take into account that in the book, you, you think uh, Jim Rennie had a lot of propane on the TV show. In the book, we get the impression that it's five times as much propane. That he's got. Right. Yeah. So this thing goes up. The the explosion generates. It torches everybody in town because they're all quote unquote downwind um, away from the apple orchard. But because this explosion has occurred and there's no air movement inside the dome, then the methane and the backwash of all of the smoke and stuff starts to choke the air. And these and the and the um, Julia and Barbie and everybody is suffocating. So the military actually comes outside the dome, puts these giant fans. Because it is permeable, so we do know that air slightly, can get in. Slightly. But, but they have to do nothing short of basically French kiss the dome in order to get this air. And what they do then is they take a tire, they roll the tire, which has air in it, over to where the dome generator is long enough that Barbie and Julia can get enough sucks off of this, you know, spit swapping on this tire. And then they can talk to the aliens, because it is aliens in the book. Um, and the aliens, are bas- the aliens are basically saying... Oh, it's just a toy that we play with, and uh, you guys can't be here. But somehow Julia transcends to actually talk to the alien face to face and say, "We're not toys. We're not an ant farm. Please put us down. Please help us out. Please raise the dome." And with that, the dome lifts, and the twenty-six people that are left in Chester's Mill are saved and escape. But that's it. Twenty-six people at the end of the book. Yeah, because it it was kind of an abrupt ending. And in all essence, like you said, aliens, and they were basically an ant farm because they were kind of, they were adolescent aliens, right? Right. There were toys, uh, children, alien children playing with toys in their playroom. Yeah. So in that way, like our uh, listener, Robert mentioned near the beginning on the voicemails about Twilight Zone, that seemed very much like a Twilight Zone episode to me because I, I loved all those. There were no vampires. They may have had a vampire episode, but that was... No, mostly not. So that seemed very Twilight Zone-ish. And the fact that in the book, you talked earlier, a lot of religious overtones. But in the book, the radio station was a Christian radio station, which they were using as a front. And I got the impression that in the book, Jim Rennie's drug operation was basically one of the five biggest in the entire country. Yes, it was. It was probably it was huge. And literally everything in town was bought with drug money. The, the radio station was bought with drug money. The car dealership was upgraded with drug money. The church was upgraded with drug money. 
everything was based around the drug money. So when they introduced the drug scenario at the beginning of the season, I was like, yes, they're going to do the drug story. The drug story is awesome. We're going to get the explosion in the finale. And then it all just went south from there. So, Pretty much. <laughs> but they, they, they said it was going to be different than the book. So we have to take that at face value, you know, which is fine. But at the same time, and you have to sustain the dome because if you want to be back for more than one season, which Brian Vaughn said they originally wrote this as a three-season show, so, you know, all of that makes sense that they wouldn't have the giant propane explosion and torch everybody in town. At the same time, you know, there has to be more meat to the propane story. There has to be more meat to this. And then to have them, like, literally when, Al, like, Crazy Alice shows up in the woods, I was like, come on. I'm trying to, we're trying to figure out how to communicate with you. You told me it was going to be different than the book. I'm, it, it can't be aliens because if it's aliens, I'm going to be furious. Because you said it was going to be different. <laughs> Don't pull a J.J. Abrams on me. It's not con. It's not con. Oh, uh, we're just along for the ride, Troy. <laughs> oh my goodness! And this may be the uh, last episode of Under the Dome Radio until next season. Uh, then again, if we get uh, some more listener feedback that comes in after hearing the episode, or maybe we'll uh, hook up with some other Under the Dome podcasters. Who knows? We may have something else coming. Keep the feed alive uh, between now and then. And who knows? Maybe if news comes out about the upcoming season in, say, May, maybe we'll just put out an episode. Well, you and I are going to go spring break and in Wilmington, it sounds like. I don't know <laughs> if I can go in during spring break. <laughs> but if they're doing filming in Wilmington, I would love to find a way to be like an extra extra, just be in the background you know, of an episode of Under the Dome would be fantastic. And to meet the Domies and, and all of that good stuff and take in all of Wilmington, North Carolina. But we'll see. We will see. Did you have any other uh, final thoughts? We uh, had a lot of information. This was a chock-full episode of goodness. Yep, season finales always are. So it's good to have we, yeah. we can uh, chat with everybody in the chat room tonight as we broadcast live for the first time. So we'll definitely be doing this much more next season. Uh, now that we have the technical difficulties worked out, uh, but definitely keep the feed alive because we are going to have a uh, season one kind of postmortem uh, with a few friends of ours from a brand new podcast network called TV Talk. So if you have not checked them out yet, you can get the TV Talk app at tvtalkapp.com and you can get primed for all of the fall shows as they are having tons of stuff out there. Uh, including Once Upon a Time in Wonderland by our own Daniel J. Lewis, who's here at Noodle Mix. Uh, he'll be doing that show for TV Talk. Wayne and I are going to be doing Revenge, uh, the ABC thriller starring Emily Van Camp over on ABC. And then I am also doing The Blacklist uh, for TV Talk. So if you want to come along and hear all about James Spader and Megan Boone and uh, Henry Lennox, you know, it's going to be good stuff. So come on and check out TV Talk and uh, stay tuned as we bring the Under the Dome TV Talk podcast in for this panel, uh, hopefully in a few weeks from the airing of this episode. We shall see. Just keep the feet alive and and everything. But I'm looking forward to uh, doing the revenge show with you because it's great doing this podcast. But if there's no more Under the Dome stuff to talk about, let's talk about revenge because that's a whole different type of thing. And plus, we're going to focus on that and we're having a great time and you're kind of turning into a podcasting maniac now, Troy. Absolutely. Because it's a lot of fun talking with everybody and it's going to be sad to not be able to talk to most of you guys until June of next year. So revenge is where you can find us during the nine month hiatus, if you will, of under the dome. But uh, until that time, you can still let your voice be heard. We'll keep the Facebook 
uh, keep the Facebook page alive, the Twitter account live. As we get news, theories, any kind of spoilers that we can throw out there, we'll definitely send them your way. So keep clicking and keep subscribing. Definitely in iTunes. Uh, obviously, we're still um, you know, broadcasting live around the world uh, with under the dome. So any of you listening in the UK or Canada or Spain or Australia or China or Chile or wherever, you know, just uh, keep those iTunes reviews coming because they definitely help out the show. Definitely. And we thank you every ever so much for every review we've got. And it really does help out. iTunes has been good to us. And wh- wherever you're listening, Stitcher, Smart Radio, whether you're, and like Troy said, he, he forgot to mention you could be listening in the future or in the you, past. You could. Wherever you are, we thank you. But whatever happens and however it happens, until the next Under the Dome Radio podcast episode, you know, be sure to sponsor that uh, propane. We love that. That'll keep us going. But until then, if you look around, you know, under the smoke, under the haze, under the black dome, the white dome, you may be able to find us. Lost, out on the fringe, trapped, under the dome. Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, theorize over TV shows like Once Upon a Time and Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Get productive in your personal and professional life. Laugh with our clean comedy. Delve into science fiction and philosophy. Learn critical thinking and movie reviews. And more at noodle.mx.